Hello, and welcome to Shame Spiral. I'm Ellie Kremendahl, a psychotherapist turned comedian, and this is the podcast where I low-key use my therapy skills to interview guests about all things shame. I was so excited to spiral out this week with Alana Pena. Alana is a TV writer, director, and showrunner. She was the creator and showrunner of Diary of a Future President on Disney+. Plus. Such an amazing show if you haven't watched it yet. It's about a Cuban-American girl who grows up and eventually becomes president. And I just have to say that I got word through Alana's Instagram that on May 26th, which is on Friday, Disney Plus is taking the show off of their platform along with a bunch of other amazing shows. Ugh, such a shame. Go watch this show while you have the chance. I had so much fun talking with Alana about shame. The episode has, I think, a little bit of a sleepover vibe, but we really had a great time together. We vibed. It was so fun. I think you're going to enjoy it so much. And speaking of sleepover vibes, something that made me shame spiral this week is that it's my birthday uh, later this week, and I haven't celebrated my birthday in a few years, I, I think since before COVID. And I am a birthday person. I'm a Gemini. Traditionally, I love celebrating my birthday. I also kind of hate it because I get overwhelmed with the attention, but simultaneously I crave the attention. You know, it's it's one of those things. But this year I was like, you know, I think I want to do a little bit of something for my birthday. And you guys... Am I alone in thinking that nothing makes you feel like you have no friends than considering having any kind of birthday party? I just sort of spiraled on so many levels about like, should I even do this? It's dumb. I'm not a child. I'm a full-grown adult. I don't need a birthday party. Also, COVID, should I have a party? Even if it's a little party, if everyone gets COVID, I'll feel so terrible. Also, do people really want to come? It's embarrassing. I'm, it's Everyone's going to have a bad time. I just shouldn't do anything. It's, it's shameful that I even thought about having a party. And then I have decided to have a party. And I just keep having these passing thoughts of like, I should just cancel it to avoid having any of these feelings in the moment. But I think what I've decided is I'm just going to have the little party let myself celebrate myself, let people show up for me and shameful feelings be damned. I guess they might pop up, but I'm just going to try to like notice them and let them go and enjoy my birthday. So that's all I have for you shame wise this week. I think it was a pretty light shame week, which is awesome. Maybe partially because my partner was out of town all week. So I was just in like full solo parenting triage mode which is incidentally like pretty great for minimizing shame because you are just too tired and busy and stressed to have all that much shame. So that's a nice little side benefit of parenting. But anyway, that's besides the point. Without further ado, let's start spiraling with Alana Pena. Shame burning in my brain Always in a frame and I've only myself to blame Shame Wishing I could forget my name And crawl back up from where I came 
I'm going down the spiral once again. The shame spiral. Hi, Alana. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm wondering right off the bat how you're feeling right now, knowing that we're about to get all hands in on your shame. I'm feeling open and ready to receive and give. (laughs) Um, Are we in a couple's therapy session? (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm I'm just going all in. I'm like, we are in love and I am here. Um, (laughs) No, I I will say I've been kind of like nervous about this, mainly because I it's so funny because I wasn't sure like what story to tell and I wanted to make sure that I was a worthy guest and I was hanging out with the friends recently and I was like, so I'm going on this podcast and I have to um, talk about a time that I felt great shame. And like, without pausing, he was like, are you going to talk about the tie? And like, just brought up something I hadn't remembered and like, like that happened 15 years ago. (laughs) Wow. And the answer was no, because I'd forgotten about it. It was, um, So then I was like, oh, maybe I have more shame than I even know that I have. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. other people are feeling it for me, which is sort of the definition of it, which is a nightmare. That is a nightmare. (laughs) The thought, because I always try to make myself feel better by going like, well, I, I think about all of this, but I'm probably wrong that other people are keeping a file. But the, the, (laughs) the confrontation with the fact that he actually did have a file and he pulled it out <laughs> right away. He that really is kind did. of horrifying. It I, I will say, like, I think that I have, as I've gotten more mentally healthy, like learned to laugh about my shame more in the moment. Like it's mm-hmm. happened. A lot of people, my friends made fun of me a lot in college. I was just very, I was a very easy target. I guess they still do. <laughs> um, but I was going home to Florida. I'm from South Florida. And I brought a huge duffel bag filled with my dirty laundry. And that he remembered it so clearly because we shared a cab to the airport. And I told that story to someone recently and they were like, everybody brought laundry home and then they made me feel better. But I do remember at the time he was making fun of me. I was kind of like, yeah, fuck it. I'm proud of it. I get free laundry. You've got (laughs) to bring your laundry to your parents' house. I feel like that is such a tiny, tiny little shame. I think I I had to check the bag. It was it was flying. I think he he really filed it away. And it's interesting. It's like what other people think of as your shame versus what you think of as your shame. Totally. So I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling open. I love it. What do you think made you an easy target in college? (laughs) Right into it. (laughs) Um, uh, I I think I'm also an easy target to my family. Mm. Um, I think I'm just, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm very, I don't know, that's a really good question. Why am I need to target? Um, <laughs> I think I just, I'm very earnest and I'm very, I mean, you've now known me for 10 minutes, but I'm very like, this is, this is pretty much my default. Like I, mm-hmm. I live very openly and I love things really deeply and it's really easy to like make fun of someone if they like really love something hard, you know? Um, And I think it used to bother me more than it does now. But I was just like, my friends in college, that's an easy thing to to make fun of. Oh, 
Oh my God, that's so true. And it, it's so interesting because it's like, that is such a beautiful quality. I mean, I feel like the way that we harden ourselves is so protective. You know, it's it's kind of just yeah. about not being able to be vulnerable. So then you are targeted. And like the whole sort of norms often around like what cool is, is often just like protected. And mm-hmm. oh, it's just so like, it's so I feel I felt so much like tenderness just hearing you say that, like that it was about you loving things that made you an easy target. I think I think that's that's a big part of it. I mean, because, you know, I don't know what your college experience was like um, if you had a college experience, but that's exactly the age when everyone is like, I am the arbiter of cool. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think especially I went to a school where I was friends with a lot of the comedy people. I was doing some comedy and it was a lot of the like boys and Uh their sense of humor was very, um, it was to make fun of things. That's like, it was, it was to comment on it as it was happening. And my sense of humor Sometimes I do that, but also it's like I'm just a little more like exuberant and a little more and that they were in direct opposition. And it wasn't until I was like a grown up (laughs) and out of that environment that I was like, oh, actually, like what I find interesting and funny and and worthy of telling stories, that's also funny and good. Like I... I can I feel like if I right now I can say like, oh, Legally Blonde is like one of the best movies of all time. But I would have been like embarrassed to say that in college. Oh, yeah, I get that. You went to Northwestern, right? Sure did. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that today in my like little bit of research on you. And it stood out to me in part because I'm from Illinois. So I know I know a lot of people that went to Northwestern. And I kind of know the vibe. I used to go to parties there and stuff. Um and I were you in film school? Did I read that? I well, I was a theater major oh, right, because right, right. Of, of course I was. But I I took like a creative writing for the media. I was like the film world was my other world. I was in the sketch group. Okay. I took writing classes. I that was like, you know, when I branched out, it was to film. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, what what just uh, came to my mind, part of why I asked you is what you said about like being embarrassed to say that you love Legally Blonde because I, yeah. so I I went to film school um, and um, I that just brought up like a visceral memory yeah. for me. Yeah, it was kind of like if you liked anything that was like hacky or cliche or it was like very cool to like only the most pretentious shit (laughs) you know no exactly yeah and and I felt like not um worthy of having an opinion if I hadn't seen the Hitchcock movies if I hadn't seen I remember my high school boyfriend went to Harvard and was Mm -hmm. like doing film stuff and we weren't together anymore but we would like email and catch up and see each other in Florida and I said Blue Valentine had just come out, mm-hmm. the movie. And I loved Blue Valentine, mm-hmm. the movie with Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. And I was like, he was like, what movies do you like? And I was trying to think of like the movies I'd seen that were like, you know, 
something. And I said, Blue Valentine. And he was like, oh, my God. Yeah, Blue Valentine. And it turned out like 20 minutes later, he was like, oh, I thought you meant I thought you said Blue Velvet. Oh, of course. Of course, Barb. (laughs) And I was like, I don't even know what that is. I'm talking about the Ryan Gosling movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember having so many moments of like, if I did like something, and then I got the messaging either directly or by kind of osmosis, that it was a good thing to like, just being like, oh, like the relief, like I can openly like this. And, you know, and it's so not to like, I promise we won't spend all our time like trash talking like theater and film school in a nostalgic way. But (laughs) I mean, we can. We can, but let's not. But like, I feel like now looking back, I can see that the sort of the people with the power to define the norms of what was cool, like it was so uh, trickled down from these like white male professors and then the white male film students. And we were all kind of just like, oh, okay, that's correct. Like whatever our impulses might be, which are like more queer, like mm-hmm. more defined by being a woman or POC or all of it. Like they were just not like you would have to really fight for that, you know? Yeah, because that wasn't in like the canon of of the stuff that you like. And then it would make you it you feel like your taste was not as um evolved or or, you know, smart. Yeah. As that there is when really it's just it's different kinds of things like, yeah, we didn't study Legally Blonde as being perfect with structure. But I now know as like a screenwriter, I'm like that movie has a perfect structure. Mm-hmm. And we we diminished it because it was a it was a chick flick and it was pink and it was fun and it had these poppy songs and good hair. And so we we wouldn't study it in film school because that can't be considered art. But then I watch it now and I'm like, this movie could have taught me so much about structure if I'd watched it in that way when I was 21. Anyway. Oh my God, totally. And I'm a real legally blonde truther, if you no, can tell. For, for real. You know what's so wild about that too is I feel like, I mean, I went in a different time period than you, but say I could think of other movies where that same thing would apply. And it's like so wild because that movie is like perfect camp. It's like it's Mm -hmm. so campy. And the same folks who might reject that would just be like, oh, my God, John Waters. And it's like it's a totally different thing. They're just different. But it's all camp and there's value in all of it, you know? Yeah. So that's been like a big part of like my growth is recognizing that the things that I like and am passionate about have value. Oh, I know. <laughs> Preach. That is so real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So so we're going to play the shame game um, just to interrupt oh, that organic no. flow of our conversation for a minute. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to present you with a couple pairs of scenarios theoretical, but I want you to kind of insert yourself in them and then consider which of the scenarios would give you a bigger shame spiral. So it's kind of like, would you rather, but like, which would you basically, which would you not rather because of all the shame? Okay. Of course. Mm -hmm. All right. So here, let me just see the little narrative that I wrote. See the crazy thing you've cooked up. You're like a marionettist of shame. I am. I am. (laughs) 
and I drop in for every particular guest and try to cook up an especially gruesome one. I love okay. it. Let's hear it. Okay. So you are on a show. You're the showrunner and it's going well. There is a young uh, either writer's assistant or your actual showrunner's assistant who you love. She has done a great job. And um, that show ends and you're just, you're so happy with the work that she did. And a little bit, and then you're in a new room. And a little bit later, she calls, she's up for her first staffing job. She's like, it, would you mind reaching out to this showrunner? Like, I think the personal connection would do so much. And you were like, oh my All God. All of this has happened to me so far. So I'm, <laughs> I'm wondering like, what's the big twist? But continue. <laughs> so you're like, oh my God, of course. Like, of course I will. Um, and then some fucking crisis happens in the room you're currently running, like really bad with like the network and like everything mm-hmm. goes to hell. And you mm-hmm. are in a full work spiral for like a few days. Mm-hmm. And you just forget to call mm-hmm. because you mm-hmm. just are a maniac, you know? And then yeah. You remember and you're like, oh shit. So you call and that showrunner is like, yeah, we like staffed this other person. And you're like, oh my God, like, would it even have mattered if I called? Like, do you think you would have staffed? And they're like, I don't know. We really liked her. Like, it might have mattered, to be honest. And, you know, so that's the first. So, you know, that will obviously bring up a lot. (laughs) I can't believe how we just met and you managed to pick something that would destroy me. (laughs) That would ruin me. I can't imagine what the other one is. Continue. I know. I'm a little bit of like a shame witch. (laughs) You honestly, you really are. Okay. I'm still living that for a second. Well, here's your next scenario. So it's a little bit of a similar scene. You're the showrunner, young writer's assistant. You love her. Like same characters, let's say. Okay. It's all positive between the two of you. And then again, huge crisis happens, but this time it's in that room. Like that's happening right then. Okay. And you are, you're just, you're your worst self. So like whatever your shadow self is like because it's so different for everybody but whatever that is for you it really gets activated for like 24 hours you know and something happens interpersonally between the two of you that you feel like contextually is understandable but it's not great it's like maybe she asks a question or Mm -hmm. brings something new whatever and you just kind of snap and you're like you know and we're not talking like Devil Wears Prada abuse. We're talking about mm. you're just kind of like, yeah, not with the kindness and thoughtfulness that you would usually engage. Um, and then the crisis ends. You're like, oh my God, thank God I can breathe again. And then let's say you're co show running. Okay. So then okay. your co showrunner calls you and they're like, um, this assistant like quit and she feels like, it was really toxic and that you were really toxic and you're like, Oh my God, let me please talk to her. Like I can repair this, you know? And, and she's like, she doesn't feel safe talking to you. And also she's (gasps) like, might just leave the industry. 
Okay, that one. That's the worst one. <laughs> wait, wait, that's... wait. Okay, that maybe that was too far. Is it harder if I remove the much she might leave her career? No, I was thinking it before then. Okay, I okay. I think that I can forgive myself if I was too busy and forgot because that's like something I didn't do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like and it's like, oh, you know, I was I had you only have so much bandwidth in a day. Like there's like a mental health aspect of like, I just in that week, I couldn't get there. And like, that's awful, but I can forgive myself and I will work and I will make it up to this person in whatever way I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one is like something I did. Mm -hmm. And even though I know that I would never actually be toxic or abusive, just the fact that my actions would make somebody feel that way and that that would sit with them. Honestly, before they quit, I was like, not that one. I can't, I I could not deal with that because that is, being a boss is something that I like do not take lightly. It is something that I work hard to, you know, I want to be the best boss. That's the kind, you really tapped into like what my (laughs) shit is. And I, I could never live with that. I could never live with somebody I mean, I could live, I, you know, I'm not like, I'm not going to end it all, but I would be <laughs> I'm like, you're like, I you're would actually thing. kill I myself. So let's make that clear. <laughs> you literally have such therapist energy. I feel like I have to be like, I'm not going to kill myself. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, Alana, my hand is on the 5150 button. I just need you to know that I forgot to have you sign an informed consent. It's funny because I feel like I say that sometimes to my actual therapist and she's like, I know. Like you're like, because I'm a really like hyperbolic person. So I'll yeah, be like, yeah, oh yeah. my God, I want to die. And then I'll be like, I don't want to die. And she's like, yeah, no, I know. Like you're allowed to like use expressions. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I just, I, it would be very difficult for me to live with myself if I, because I would have to do a lot of examining mm-hmm. because that one outburst what is that indicative of? What does that mean? Why did I do that? Why did I, um, why did my bad week transfer in that way? Yeah. Like I, it would just, like I would sooner have accidentally snap at like a producer Uh or like a fellow network executive, which would be like arguably worse for my career. But I think like interpersonal, like I, that's like, I could be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And like, we're more equals, like to snap at someone below you and to do that. That's just awful. I could yeah. never. So the power differential really makes it different for you. Yeah. And I think, you know, I was an assistant for so long and I, assistants work so hard and it's often very thankless and it's really like important to me to always be like, I, I, I maybe sometimes overcorrect like to the other extreme where I'm like mm. always telling my assistant how amazing she's feeling. Like, because it's like important to me that they feel that and know that because I remember what it was like to be there yeah, and what, how, how meaningful it was to have bosses that valued me. Yeah. Um, because it's really lonely and it's really tough and you feel like there's no end in sight and like, so yeah, I and yeah, the power difference. I just would never want I just always the the, the biggest compliment you could ever give me, like I, yes, like you could like my show, you whatever is that I'm a good leader. That's like the biggest yeah. thing you could ever give me. So then the inverse of that is also true that this is like the <laughs> <Exactly>. worst. <laughs> yeah. 
The worst Sorry, thing Sorry, I tried to make it positive, but we're going back to negative. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. Yes. I, that's so funny. I think I do have a nature of like, I'm like, you put a bow on it and I am unwrapping the bow. <laughs> well, you're. it's not called like, you know, fun spiral. It's shape spiral. Like we're getting into it. We're getting so into get it. it. So I get it. I'm so curious about what your spiral would look like. Like that goes down and then where do you go in your mind? What do you literally do with yourself? (sighs) Okay. Well, I will say I am a, I guess not new anymore, but summer 2020, I got on Prozac Mm -hmm. and changed, changed my goddamn life. Love it. Specifically the spiral of it all. Mm -hmm. I was a really big spiraler. And I definitely still, you know, have anxiety. I'm not like cured, but it's, it's way, it's way tempered and I need to do less to um, feel okay. But the things that I do and the things that I did to an extreme pre-meds and pre-really good therapy was reassurance from like everybody. I Mm. would call everybody, (laughs) which is like at a certain point can become noise. But I would like, I'd call my mom. I would, in this scenario, like I would, my poor co-show runner, like I would just be like, I and I had a kosher order season two and I he has dealt with me in like spirals before. Um, but I just like I would ask so many people I would go I would just be like, how do I f- fix this? I, the reassurance of like, if I couldn't fix it, then I would probably move on to like, am I OK? Like, am I a horrible person? Is her life ruined? And then probably selfishly is my life ruined? Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I would seek a ton of reassurance. That's mm-hmm. like what that's what it would look like. I get that. <clears throat> I also have a lot of anxiety and have been on SSRIs like forever. And God bless them. They Best. also changed my life. Um, and yeah, I feel like that kind of reassurance, it's like truly so compulsive. It's like yeah. you need to do you need it to like tr- it, there's the fantasy that if you get enough of it you will be okay. But it kind of doesn't. What's so funny about yeah. it too is like you kind of get it and then you're like, I don't believe you. Like that's not enough. Like it, it's never ending. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's like, it's an addiction. Like yeah. it's what I imagine like people, what I've heard, <laughs> what I've heard about like drug addiction. It's like you get that hit. <laughs> this is me doing heroin yeah. to my arm. So funny. Uh, <laughs> With a finger I gun. <laughs> use a ton of drug ass. Yeah, <laughs> like, See, I'm such a drug user. Oh I've literally it's so someone cute. asked someone asked me if I'd ever done like if I did drugs yesterday, yesterday, and I was like, Are you kidding me? Like I'm too anxious to do drugs. Like, what are you talking about? Anyway. Oh my um, god. That's but <laughs> that's what I imagine drug use to be. Is like like um you get that hit and you feel it and you're like, oh good, I got that hit. And then you're like, I need more. Like that yeah. it it I don't, I don't, it it doesn't sustain you. And then you keep searching for it and searching for it. And no one, at the end of the day, no one's going to give it to you but yourself. And that is a lesson that took me. I'm still learning. Same. Oh my God, same. Yeah. And I love that metaphor with anxiety. I'm in recovery. I've been sober for a really long time. And it is kind of like that. It's like, yeah, it's never really going to scratch the itch because the itch is deep inside of you. <laughs> and it's yeah. Like, it's not about the thing. Like yeah. it's not about, 
at the end of the like, yes, in this situation, this is what would cause the spiral. But I mean, now I'm like psychoanalyzing this fake scenario, but it's like what happened within me that made me do that? And that's the thing I probably need to fix. You would really obsess about that. Like if I can interrogate this enough, I can figure out what was wrong with me and repair it Mm -hmm. so it like doesn't happen again or so it makes me a better person. Yeah. Yeah. I I go often to am I a horrible person? That's like Uh my – that that is what I'll like ask friends. If I like, you know, can't do a plan – if a friend is like a little sick and I'm like nervous about getting sick, so I cancel the plan. This just happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I will then feel, am I a horrible person mm-hmm. for canceling the plan, for being worried about myself? Like mm-hmm. it, that's I that is my default sentence. Am I a horrible person? <laughs> Me too. My that's like my core sentence from my, since I was a child. So is that is that like <laughs> if your shame had like a core line of dialogue, like it would be, am I a horrible person? Yeah. Am I a horrible person? Yeah. Am I a horrible person? Over, pretty on loop. Yeah. 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 Same. It's so brutal. Ugh. I hate it. It does really help like to even be able to name that, recognize it for what it is, like the voice of shame and be able to be like playful about it because like I feel like when I was younger, that thought sat so heavy in me. And then like, as I've done more work and gotten older, I'm just like, oh my God, like I'm thinking I'm a horrible person again. Like, like often I can at least have some playfulness around it, you know? It's huge. I was actually, I just had a thought as you were saying that, that if you had asked me to do this podcast, I mean, I don't know if you were doing it, but if you had asked me to do it like two, three years ago, um, I think I would have probably said no. I think I would have had too much... Like, I've been too nervous to delve that deep. I had a lot of anxiety about doing podcasts. Like, I was like, what am I going to say? But just the work that I've done on myself, even just in the past, like, three years of recognizing my anxiety and learning to laugh at it and learning to talk about it and and not feeling as, like, isolated with it. It's, like, very new. Yeah. So I'm glad you asked now. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Um, okay, let's do the let's do the final scenario pair, and then we'll move on. Okay, <laughs> You're okay, like, okay, whew. okay. Let's get into the <laughs> like, arena. What wound will you open next? Oh, okay. So for this one, I I just want to know so I can like tailor it a little bit. So are you? What's your current relationship status? Like, are you dating? Are you partnered? Are you married? I I'm single, and I'm. I just said to a friend, I'm not militantly dating. Okay. Because I sometimes people like militantly date. Mm-hmm. I'm like dating if it okay. like comes up casually. <laughs> yeah, I'm casually dating. Okay, cool. And like, what genders do you date? <laughs> I unfortunately men. <laughs> okay, just men. <laughs> I'm open to others, but it's only been men for now. <laughs> if anyone's listening, and what's that about, Alana? Just kidding. That's cool. <laughs> I just am like not closed. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, let's say I'm going to say you're dating a guy because that's like your core experiences and that seems like likely who you will continue to date. That's where my my next date is with a – my next casual date is with a guy. Okay. All right. So you have been dating a new guy for like a few months. Like it's kind of got to that 
past that three month mark, you're like so into him. Like you're just like, I love him, but I haven't said that yet. Like that kind of feeling. And it feels very mutual. Like you're just vibing. It's wonderful. He's awesome. So that's kind of the the core (laughs) establishing dynamic. (laughs) What is? What are you going to do to ruin it? <laughs> so here is the inciting incident. <laughs> oh Let's my go. god! Um, that was a nerdy screenwriting joke, listeners. Sorry, um, <laughs> I loved okay. it. So okay, so you go to his family's house for the first time. Huge. And his family, you're going to stay there for the weekend. His family is so sweet. They're like really welcoming to you. They're really different from your family, but you're like, you're kind of like, there's like a, energetically, it feels good. Okay. And um, his mother spends like all day making this meal for you. And she's like, so like, it means so much to her to feed you, you know? Uh-huh. That is different from my mom. Continue. Okay. (laughs) So that's it. I want to hear more about that. But so, so whatever. (laughs) The dinner happens. The food is gross. It's so bad. She is just not a good cook. You have to choke it down and do a kind of a show to tolerate it. Yeah. And Uh then the next morning or something, you're like in the backyard and you're talking to someone that you're very close to that you can really be real and kind of like, uh, kind of like safe to be like a bitch with, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And and they know you're not a bad person, like that kind of thing. So I don't know if it's like your best friend, your sister, your mom, etc. Whoever mm-hmm. that is for you. Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. are just talking so much shit about this meal, how disgusting it was, how you almost threw up, like you could not be trash talking it more. And then you go, you're like, okay, bye, love you. You go inside and his mom is standing there, has overheard the whole thing. And she just like has tears in her eyes. And then she kind of runs away to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) You are maniacal. You are. You are a shame witch. I'm a shame witch. (laughs) Okay. Um, So that's scenario one. Okay. So scenario two same again basic setting house weekend love all of it you are staying in your boyfriend's like childhood bedroom and mm-hmm. you guys have some real raunchy sex and there's maybe even like an element of like play with the fact that you're in his teenage bedroom like that kind of thing <laughs> like it's really like you're having a right. great time it's very positive <laughs> But mm-hmm. it's also like, like really raunchy, um, and then love, <laughs> and and you had totally bonded with his mom the night before. Like you guys had like heart to heart. You had like mm-hmm. tea. It was so sweet. <laughs> and then tea, <laughs> yeah. You come down for breakfast in the morning, and mom is like cold as ice. All of a sudden, t- like Jekyll and Hyde. And you're like, oh God, like you're just anxiety goes up. You're like, I could, something is bad and you cannot figure out what it is. And then, you know, your boyfriend pulls you aside later and is like, my mom like heard us through the vent in like the wall or something and is like so disturbed by what she heard. She feels like it's really disrespectful in her home and she's just really uncomfortable and we need to leave. 
Oh God. <laughs> um, uh, which one would I rather not? I love both of these scenarios because I have a boyfriend who I love. <laughs> You're like, this is you a win. Be, <laughs> you'd be like, you have a boyfriend who you love and you like shit all over his like family's like heirlooms. And I'd be like, I have a boyfriend I love. Um, <laughs> I love that reframe. Um, love it for you. So yeah, just which would be worse? Like if like which would be harder for you to tolerate? I think the first one mm. because I am in that scenario. I think my theme is like I really it's so much easier if either you share villainhood with somebody or it was like your villainhood was by accident, like in yeah. the first scenario. And I think this, the first one would be very, it is pretty purposeful villainy. It's pretty like, there's no way to really, but the second one, there's like, first of all, you share it with your boyfriend who is hot in my mind. Um, <laughs> He's so really yeah, I'm sharing, hot. I have I have something I'm sharing with my hot boyfriend. Yeah. Um, but also, like, it's a little more nuanced. Like, it's a little more like, oh, you know, maybe she has, like, hangups with sex. Like, there's, like, more that you can, like, bring into it. Whereas the first one, like, I'm just a huge bitch. Like, there really is yeah. no nuance. So I think I would rather, even if it, like, honestly, I feel like even if it kind of, like, fucked with our relationship for, like, long like longer like if it was like oh these values don't align I'd be more comfortable with that than making her cry like basically on purpose mm -hmm. <laughs> I get that wow this is weirdly easy for me I because I've listened to your podcast and I've been like this is really gonna stump me but I I guess I know I guess I have very clear what like things I don't want to happen yeah to me. <laughs> I yeah totally I think when it's directed at you it's it just, yeah. it comes up very clear. Like what is more activating? Are you, do you have what were, I want to know about you. Do you feel the same way for both? <sighs> um, I think I feel the same way for the first one. Mm -hmm. Um, Making someone feel, making a young writer, yeah. especially if I had like gotten up to a position of like power feel like unsafe and small like I that would destroy me I would yeah. I feel like the exact same even though the first one yeah. also would destroy me <laughs> yeah no both are awful yeah and this one see this is one is in, this one I think is trickier for me because I think what where my mind went is like in the first one it would be terrible to make her cry but I would also feel like I wasn't try like it was I thought I was in a right. private conversation and right. then similarly but okay but it's still they're both accidental but in the second one I think right. maybe my like righteousness might pop up to save me because I would be like that's sex shaming and like yeah <laughs> like that has no, nothing to do exactly. with you and you should just keep your feelings to yourself or process them with your partner or your friend or whatever. You know, like, I don't know. I right. would get mad. No, and I think, but I think the mad, the, that righteousness would make it easier for me to, like, swallow. Because yes, that's so I, true. That's so true. I would, I have, I have, like, something to, 
For the first one, I there's like a uh, there's gymnastics I could do where I could be like, laugh at yourself. Like in my, you know, if she like really held a grudge and it like destroyed things, I'd be like, there is a certain point where like, I'm sorry, you're like meatloaf casserole or whatever should not be like the definitive. Like I was wrong, but like, but it's still just like unnecessary bitchiness, which yeah. like I do all the time, but I never want anyone to like hear it. I think I also have a secret, not secret, I'm telling a podcast. I have a fear <laughs> of, uh, I am, I love to, you know, gossip and like talk shit with people who I feel safe with. Yeah. And my friends used to make fun of me because I would always, all before SSRIs, honestly, I would always say, you can't tell anyone you don't t- please don't tell anyone like this stays between us like and I've sort of lost the need to do that but I still feel it really deeply like yeah. my biggest fear is like I'm doing that and I turn around and that person's right there like I I just pride myself on being a nice person but I also love to talk shit so completely what do we do? <laughs> get that duality yeah my gossip is one of my toxic traits like I I also try to really temper it to make sure it's like in a very safe, non-harmful to anyone context, yes, like with my yes. husband or something. I know he's not going to tell anyone. I'm just letting the shadow yes. out. Yeah. But and you need that. Like, I think that's important. It is important. I think it's important. And I think it probably helps you not be harmful in like the wrong spaces, you know, um, or at all. Right. Yeah. Right. I think I agree. As we talked that through, yes, the fir- the making the mother cry about her food that she like spent all day cooking for me would be worse. I agree. (laughs) But I mean, they're both pretty bad because you also like in this scenario, we're both like screenwriters. So now I'm just like writing in this scenario. It's like the, the boyfriend, the hot boyfriend is pretty passive, but I do feel like when this stuff happens, like the second scenario, there is a universe where like he would feel shame and he would take that out on you. And then your sex life would like get bad because he would have his mom's, but you know what I mean? Like, and he would maybe defend his mom and then you'd be like, why are you defending your mom? Like, yeah, it, it could get really messy. But in a situation where like hot boyfriend is cool and like doesn't give a fuck, that one. Well, but yeah. Who knows? That's you know, so men true. are so fragile and <laughs> and love their moms. <laughs> <laughs> I think okay, I think we found the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my men god, so I fragile. love it. Okay. Let's let's move on. We went hard on those scenarios. So I asked you to bring a particular story of shame that you've experienced, and I would love to hear it. I would love to share it. Uh, so I was a little bit of a hot mess for a while in terms of like like you know, logistics and calendar and like like college specifically. I feel like I was really type A in like middle and high school. And then I went to college and I was like, oh my God, like parties and friends and boys. And I'm going to just like go to this boy's apartment instead of studying for my dev psych final. And then like, I'm going to get a C on it. And it was like my first C, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I just was very, and then I would just kind of like, like I would bring duffel bags of laundry and I was, you know, I would buy new clothes at the gap on sale instead of washing my clothes. Like I just was a little bit, and like, you know, I didn't know. I'm really bad at math. Like I had no idea. Like I just had no, the self-care and the sort of logistics of being an adult 
not kick again. And then, then I honestly think being an assistant um, and having to do that for someone else forced it to kick in for me. So I got better at it. And now I'm really proud of where I'm at. Like, I just bought a house last year and I like, I, you know, I'm a boss. I've like run a show. I I feel like I have control over like my life and my finances and my mm-hmm. future. And it's like, it, but it it was a bit of a journey. Like even when I was buying the house, my mom, I felt like kept projecting this like 16 year old hot mess version of myself and would get protective about, and she's also a real estate lawyer. So that was also annoying. But it was like, and a Jewish mother. So projecting all of the, projecting and protecting, I just was like, like sometimes I felt like I had to scream, like I'm not a 16 year old, like naive idiot anymore. Like I am a 30, almost two year old grown ass woman and I'm buying this house and you're not helping me do it financially. So like, stop making me feel, anyway. Yeah. So that is the setting the scene of that. It was a few, it was December. It was a few months ago. And I've experienced a lot of randomly like credit card, like um, fraud this year. Um, Like not nothing huge. Just like I'd get like a text, like, was this you? And I'd be like, no. And then I'd have to like get a new card. Um, So it was like, I was home alone. I was feeling so like I had just like done a drinks. So I was like home. I was starting to watch the Harry and Meghan doc in my like in my house. I was feeling all like and um, I got a call from an 800 number and they said it was my bank security. And I Googled the number because I'm like, I am an adult. And I Googled the number and it said Bank of America security, like all of that and they were like, you were the victim of fraud. And I was like, again. And I was like, so annoyed, whatever, whatever. And then long story short, they were like, okay, so this credit card thing for Best Buy, like we can get back to you, but there are a couple Zelle payments. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but when I say that they really were convincing and really sounded professional and had the number of my bank. So anyway, I and they were like, for these Zelle payments, you have to pay yourself back. And we're going to walk you through the steps to do that because it's Zelle. It's a third party app. There are three steps ahead of you. Like, da, da, da. Long story short, it, they were not my bank. They were thieves. <laughs> they were criminals. And I Zelled not or I guess I'll just say the amount at like thirty four hundred dollars to criminals. Because I felt like if I didn't say the amount, I'd you'd think it was like a million dollars, which I didn't. Or no, you know what I mean? Like you think it was an insane number. That's a lot. But it also wasn't like twenty dollars. Like it was like it Thousands. was a lot. It was it was thirty four hundred dollars. And I and the thing is, like I was asking all the questions because I was like, and there is a version of me that would have just hung up like. It was late. It was like 1130 in Florida where my mom is. I leaned on my mom a lot and I finally feel like I don't need her. That's another big part of the setup where I love her and I'm grateful for her, but I don't need her reassurance. I explored this in an episode of my show. My character realized it when she was 13. I realized it when I was like 30. But like... I just like my mom doesn't she's not the arbiter of everything like I can handle things on my own it's the reassurance it's like I I texted her like right at the end kind of being like oh like 
because I, I kind of knew, but I didn't know. Anyway, long story short, um, I hung up the phone. I called my mom and told her and I realized pretty quickly upon telling her that it was a scam. And I felt like such an idiot. And I mm-hmm. felt so stupid. And I hate feeling stupid. And my mom was like, why didn't you hang up and call me? Why didn't you da 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 And I was like, because I thought I could do it by myself. Yeah. The way that I was doing everything by myself. And I, and then like the next, I was going home, I think on a red eye the next night. And I spent the entire next day writing a letter to the bank. I had to go get it notarized. I'm sobbing outside of the UPS store downtown on the phone with my mom because they don't, they wouldn't notarize my thing because it had an image. And it was like, yes, it's it's money and that's a bummer. But it, it was more like I failed at being a grown up, mm-hmm. And I really don't want to fail at being a grown up. And And I was asking questions to, it was back to my reassurance. Like I was asking questions to my mom, like, will I ever be, will I ever be okay? (laughs) It took you to that place. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, because you know what it is? Because I needed her to say yes. Mm Because I needed some sort of, so it was awful. And I just felt so stupid. And like, when I tell this story to other people as like kind of a party trick, I, Because it's a great story. I very much am like, I was the victim and I was scammed. But what I, but that is like um, armor because mm-hmm. I felt like the villain. I felt like the scammer. <laughs> I felt so stupid and so awful. And it felt like such a thing like 21 year old me would fucking do. And I hadn't learned anything. And I'm so naive and I'm trusting and I just pick up the phone. And I also think I sort of in some way, in some like privileged way was like, oh, this wasn't my mis In the beginning, I was like, this wasn't my mistake. So I'm going to be able to get the money back immediately. Mm. Like they'll just fix it. But that's not, they didn't. I mean, they they did ultimately oh, because okay. I I did get the money back. But I had to, it was months later and I had to send multiple, call multiple times and do multiple things. And I am, that actually, the story has turned where I'm now very proud of how I oh, like. good. Because I like had to. But I think that there was a part of me that's like, oh, someone else fucked up. They're going to make it right immediately. And that's just like not the way the world works. And then I felt stupid for believing that that was the way the world worked. Yeah. Oh my God. So that's my shame spiral story. (laughs) It's so layered. There's like the sort of topical element to it, which I totally understand having a shame spiral come up around. But then there's there's this dimensionality that like the meaning that it had for you to be efficacious in your adulthood and be like, I can do this. And then the way that that is so evocative when when you meet a moment with that energy and then it's like, no, you can't, bitch. Like you are still the same, like gullible 17 year old that you will always be. Yeah. It's just so much harder to not spiral. And all of the events that took place after, because I think sometimes I also get like preemptive anxiety where I'm like, oh, this is going to make me spiral. All the events that took place after 
being on the phone for hours, sobbing on the phone outside of UPS, driving to find a place to notarize it. All of the things that it brought up were also like thought stuff I thought I left behind. Yes, it's like crisis mode and you get into it, but just like calling my mom for reassurance of like, how do I do this? And, and like the wrinkle, not even wrinkle, the like the explosion in my calm, lovely little life that I'd built for myself that now is all this. I like hated. Like I just was like, this isn't what I want my life to be. And I made it such a bigger deal. Like I I was like, this is my life now. Like you get so Yeah. Anyway, I I can't believe I got it back. I had to get at peace with it though. Mm -hmm. Like I had to have that journey because everybody I talked to was like, you're not getting that money back. (sighs) Word to the wise if this ever happened. Well, first of all, if anyone's listening, don't ever give money. (laughs) Even if you're never gonna be asked to give money to yourself. Anyway, but also they denied my like claim and then I just like did it again. And then they said, yes. And I think if you show them like, you're not going anywhere, if you're like, like literally I am going to just like proverbially sit in the lobby of the bank until you do that. Like, I think they were like, oh, okay, fine. And they were like, as a one-time courtesy, we'll do this. Wow. So that's good being annoying know. can work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's such an interesting part of it too, that it had these kind of, um, legs to it like that it wasn't just the thing and your behavior and the thing it was your reaction to the thing and how that made Mm -hmm. you feel about yourself and I just had a moment about like the way you set up the scene with like you're in your house you bought you're gonna watch this documentary you're like I am feeling my life I have arrived (laughs) that's how I felt like I because it was the end of the year. So there was, it was, it was December 22nd at like 8.01. Like I, cause I wrote the letter, but it was the end of the year. So there was a lot of reflection that mm-hmm. I was doing. And I had gone through a breakup earlier that year and I bought the house and I was living in this, like my show had been canceled, not th- that year, but I was like, what is my creative life look like without that? And who am I? And I, I had had a really good year and I still did, but it was like, that thing, it, it felt like it had the power yeah. to disrupt all of that. Oh, that's such <laughs> – it just speaks to the power of shame and anxiety because it's like – I'm sure like removed from it, you can kind of see that like it's so disproportionate, like that this mistake you made would undo everything you had done, all the work you had done for yourself, all of your accomplishments. But when you're in that, it it doesn't matter what the rational yeah. thought about it is. I was like, this will always be the year. I, I'm also, again, a very hyperbolic, but that's like where my brain goes. I'm like, I failed at this. This will always be the year that I did this instead of the year I like bought a house or the year. Like I just, oh my god, and I couldn't, I couldn't rationally be like, I mean, I had to get there, but I couldn't rationally see the disproportionateness. Yeah. I was like, this is hap- This is what's right now. And this is the worst thing. And now I'm going to go home to Florida and all my family is going to be like, how are you? And like, that's in my head. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, you're basically like bringing home your dirty laundry, but it's. Oh, my God, Eli. <laughs> That's how you say your name, right? It's, no, it's Ellie. <laughs> Ellie, 
<laughs> but everyone always oh my God. doesn't know. No, no, I'm going to have shame. You know what? Ellie, Ellie, Ellie. I didn't, Names are important to me. You know what? I didn't even want to tell you because I knew that you would feel bad about it. And like, <laughs> I totally understand. You just ripped your heart open on a podcast. And then you say the host's name wrong. <laughs> and, I wouldn't choose that one. Yep. And I, I would choose that one as being the worst one. And this is why you will never really be an adult because. Yeah. Just- <laughs> yeah. And this is why everything you've done is a failure um, because you can't you can't recognize a person's identity. No, names are very important to me because people always get mine wrong. Yeah. So Ellie, 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 Ellie. I just I hear you. I see you. Oh, thank you. It doesn't like bother me. It really doesn't. Okay. Um, and <laughs> it bothers me. <laughs> I get no. I totally get that. But I just want you to know it's not like a tender spot for me. So no, I mean like all. messing up your name bothers me. I know. That's what I mean. <laughs> I know. So it doesn't help at all to know that I'm not someone who has like a trigger about my name. No, it helps. It helps. It helps. But it helps. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love so- this. Okay, but wait. To go back to what prompted that. Yeah, you were really feeling my oh, my connection the about the laundry. <laughs> no, that was incredible, Ellie, because because that is what it literally felt that way. It's like, yeah, I am bringing home, and it was like a duffel bag, a heavy duffel bag of laundry that symbolizes the fact that I'm not independent. <sighs> oh my god, I know, I totally understand. That's deep. Anyway. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing this story. Thank you for hearing it. I It was my first thought, and then I kind of kept waiting to see if something else would come up, and then I was like, that's my shame. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I mean, I have other shames, but that yeah. um, that one, like I said, it defined last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like there's such value to like going with whatever the thing is that comes up that has a lot of energy. Like it's always because there's a lot there. And so I love that you just brought that one. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Oh, yeah. And to all the listeners, just, you know, always be, don't be naive. Everyone is, default, people are bad. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget, people are inherently bad. (laughs) And you need to be hyper vigilant at all times, which we have not and we won't have time to like, get into any like Jewish stuff, but that is so Jewish. What you just said. <laughs> I know. And my mom, my Jewish mother was like, I think she was like, have I failed you? Like you're supposed to be, everyone is bad. Even though that Anne Frank quote is the opposite. That is in so spite true. of everything, I still believe people are good at heart. Oh my God. And then all the <laughs> Jews that came after her are just like, yeah, we love you, but not like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> We're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Great, great diary. But everyone sucks. Everyone's oh out to God. get you. So funny. One of the sort of aphorisms. Is that what that is? What is an aphorism? So. Like a thing that gets said, like a saying. That's Correct? what I that's what I would have said it was. Yes. Okay. That is in my family. It's something my grandpa always said to my mother. And so like I heard it my whole life was like that he would always be like, always remember everybody else is a moron. And that was like (laughs) (laughs) drilled into me.
So you would never make this fuck up. I I no, I would. That. That's the thing, Alana. I would, and I have to say, I really resonate. I mean, I'm sure my version of it has its own differences, but I was someone who was teased a lot in a loving way by my friends in high school and college for being gullible. Like the word that has mm. the heat for me is gullible. So, mm-hmm. um, and I felt like a terrible. You just made me remember something so insane, which is that once in college, I was out of town or something, and my friend was like, can my brother's girlfriend stay in your room? And I was like, yeah. And then I found out later that like she was like, (laughs) basically that there were just like tampons, not used tampons, but like like a box of tampons at some point had like opened and instead of like picking them all up, I'd just like thrown them all over the floor. (laughs) And like, I had like laundry in my closet that was like, like dirty laundry, like up to like the ceiling. Like I was just a mess in college. And, um, and I was always kind of like, I don't know. Like, I just like, didn't even think about it. I was just, no, I, I was the same way. I, and it's, I literally see pictures of friends hanging out in my room during parties, like things where I would have should have cleaned my room. And I have like, yeah, literally like a box of like pads out there. <laughs> totally. Laundry, like dirty clothes. Like it's I didn't even take things for, uh, off of the bed. Like, yeah. And I just, and I was like, come into my room. Like we called it club lawn. We would hang out in my room during parties and Mm -hmm. nobody ever, I mean, they probably did make fun of me and I probably just whatever, but like, I never had the wherewithal to be like, maybe I should clean. I think it's what makes us warm, giving, (laughs) loving people. I think so too. I think that there's a lot of positive to being someone who also can have the tendency of being naive. It's like there's there's a really like strong side to that. And then also sometimes shit like this happens and it's like <laughs> that's just part of it. That's what I was like repeating to myself when it was happening where I was like it's I have good qualities and it's a good quality that did that. Like I was trying to tell myself, yeah, this is because you're good, <laughs> but yeah. also stupid. <laughs> but it's actually true. I know the stupid part like that's really like that gets really stuck in there. I feel like yeah. that gullible thing. Like I remember like at one point a friend like tricking me about what a word means and then I would kind of like use the word and then they oh. were like, ah, ha, ha, that's not what it means. And like they were my – like they loved me. They thought it was funny, you know. Um, But – That's awful. I know. But it totally translates into like I'm an idiot, you know, and <laughs> – And if you have other stuff that's deep down making you feel like you're an idiot, which I totally did. Also, it's just such a oof. Like it just all becomes your story about yourself that's so brutal. I think also I was never, you know, the most popular girl with all the dates and the I like my brain was like a a point of pride. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, where where brain wasn't even really a ton of currency growing up. But like I was like, I felt proud. So then if like things disrupt that, it's like, yeah. if I don't have my brain, what do I got? <laughs> <laughs> but that's all I have, mama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember I got a concussion right before I had to start the season one room of my show. 
Like, oh, no. and it, this was another, this could have been a story. I was, um, it was my fault. I rear-ended a car because I was looking at my phone on the highway, like fully my fault, like so stupid. Airbag went off, hit my head. And I remember like literally being like, have I lost, like if I have lost my brain, <laughs> how will I... Because I was about to start the most like high stakes thing of my career that was all because of my brain. Yeah. And I was just like, I remember that was like a huge fear. Like I just, yeah, brain, it's, it's, it's important. I take pride in in her. My brain is, is female. (laughs) Yes. You need that. You need her. (laughs) What did it take for you to take in that you were not going to lose your brain? Like, was it the concussion symptoms going away? Honestly, like, yes, probably practically it was that it was like not a very severe concussion and like it went away and I'm neurotic. So I just like didn't drink caffeine for like a month just to be safe, like (laughs) the neuroses, Mm -hmm. whatever. But I also think, and this is a larger thing with just being a boss and having a show, um, I had to do it. So I did. And this Mm -hmm. like, I always was afraid. I think I was afraid I wouldn't know what to do, which I was hand in hand with like, am I going to lose my brain? It's like, I've never done this before. How, but like, I know what I want. I know what this show is. I know how to create it. I, and it's like, all of a sudden it, it, it was like gut instinct and it kicked in and I was concussion or not making a television show and had opinions and knew what I wanted. And I was like, Oh, this is like, this is still here. (laughs) And, and then I would feel that way concussion or not. I'd be like, how am I going to like, I think that was a big fear I had. Will I know what I want? Will I be able to express? And like, you know, like if you're a creative person and you are passionate about something like it's in you and you know it. And it's the same as like running around the backyard, making like little movies and skits with your friends. It's like, yeah, it's that same thing in you. And it felt so natural. Mm. And I was, and I did not expect it. I was so nervous. I was like, what is this new thing I'm going to have to like, and there were a lot of new things, but the core of it felt natural. Yeah. So like the actual like discrepant experience from your fear of what would happen, like helped you actually really take in that your fear was kind of so far off from your actual yeah capacity experience all of it yeah no that's that's true i mean that's isn't that like a lot of things yeah i don't really feel like you can learn much at all by just thinking about it like i feel like like every lesson i've learned i mean this is so like cliche the lessons that really end up transforming me they're always because i just threw myself into something and then found that I was so wrong about how stupid I am. (laughs) Yeah. No, but that's, but I think that's huge. And like, yeah, so much of the things that I've like done in my life that have, I've been like uh, upset at myself or anxious or worried or dreading, I have grown from. And that's like, it's really hard to remember that in the moment when you're doing the thing that you're anxious about or dreading. But um, I'm so grateful. So you have to like try to have perspective when, yeah, I'm like telling you, you know. (laughs) No, but no, it's great. It's really helpful. I think it's great for people. Also, I don't don't necessarily know. So it's great to hear (laughs) your thoughts on it. We're all learning. Um, Let me just ask you a couple of last tiny questions before we go. 
was there anything that you said while we were talking that made you feel a little shame spirally in the moment in a meta way or that you think might make you spiral if you're debriefing our conversation to yourself later? Um, your name. I did not. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I should have just like, I follow you. Like, I I feel like I've heard you say your name. I just, I think I overthought it. Um, I think that I am a little, tell like, for some reason, I'm like, is telling that um, scam story going to make people scam me? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Like I said, my bank name. I mean, I didn't say anything that you could have the, but like, I I think that literally just like on the same line of thought, I'm like, is it okay that I told that story? But I th- yeah, I, th- I think it is. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it is. I think if anything, it'll make people not scam you because now your hackles are really up. You're prepared. I'm, I'm hyper vigilant. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, And, but yeah, I think that you have a really good way of making people feel like safe and, and heard. And so I think just those two. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad that you feel that. Yeah, totally get the spy. I would, I would also spiral if I'd fucked up your name. Um, But you asked, like I should have just, when you asked before we started recording, I should have been like, and what's yours? Like, yeah. (laughs) But I don't know. <laughs> you really don't care. And it's, it is helping. I just don't care. I just don't care. Um, but I get sp- spiraling. And um, yeah, and, I mean, you kind of spoke to it a second ago. But is there anything else you want to share about like how you feel now as compared to how you felt at the beginning of our conversation? I feel I still feel open. I feel like red. I feel like you, mm. I, I feel, I guess my metaphor is a book and I feel red. Um, I am now thinking about my answer to the last question and I'm like, oh, I'm sure I'm going to spiral about other stuff. <laughs> I'm like only those two, like who am I? Um, <laughs> but I, I also feel really grateful. I um like, it's just really nice to do a podcast that delves into I, I've never really talked about like this stuff and it's really nice to to talk about it so thank you oh, yeah thank you it was such a pleasure to get to know you a little bit and to meet you yeah we it should was fun come. you're are you in LA or New- now we're just chatting are you in LA I or New know. York <laughs> I'm in New York <laughs> okay well come to LA and we should hang out <laughs> oh my god I would love that same come to New York <laughs> okay bye bye Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Shame Spiral. You can follow the pod at Pod Shame Spiral on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all the usual places. This episode was edited by myself and Sarah Gabrielli. And original music was by Shadwick Wild. Please keep listening and rate and review if you're feeling generous. I have so many exciting guests lined up for our season. Thank you again for joining us and spiral on, but not too much, okay? 